You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. The hat is back. The hat is back with a very important message or a warning, perhaps. <laughs> Justin Davis is here as well. Scoop. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to flip through the December 2003 issue of Nintendo Power, uh, which is about 10 years after I ever had read my last issue of Nintendo Power, probably. Uh, and it's also getting to be holiday time, so we've got some emails from listeners um, that pertain to holiday gaming traditions. But first, I believe there are some game developers out there in Scoop Nation that uh, listen to and watch this show. So we wanted to let you know about something. IGN and Rogue Games, the publisher Rogue Games, are partnering to produce Rogue Jam, a brand new game jam that's offering exclusive development deals along with $800,000 in total prizes. Rogue Games uh, is actually made up of some former IGN talent. Matt Casamassina, a name you may have heard, and Levi Buchanan. Both work at Rogue Games now. Um, so submissions are going to be judged on things like fun factor, originality, uh, gameplay, and polish. Submissions are being accepted right now. Um, until December 31st, you can submit your game at, want to get the uh, website exactly right, roguejam.com. That is roguejam.com. Don't, don't type Rouge Jam. Not Rouge Jam. That's a different thing. All of the different thing. Classic um, Rouge Squadron. Yeah. 
<laughs> and another little bit of housekeeping. Uh, I just want to let everyone know, in case they hadn't heard, of course, IGN turned 25 years old earlier this year. And uh, we've been working on something uh, special to oh. celebrate that all year long. Uh, it's our own video game. IGN's first video game, and it just launched this week. It's called IGN 25, the game. It stars our mascot, Iggy Ignacio. Uh, <laughs> and it's got some great pixel art, and there's lots of fun little Easter eggs uh, from IGN and, and, and gaming in general over the past 25 years. It is entirely free to play with no microtransactions, and you can check it out at the website, IGN.com slash IGN 25, the game, numeral 25. That's IGN.com slash IGN 25, the game. Please to enjoy. And Such with messaging. That, I know. And with that, we're going to go straight into uh, listeners, listener emails uh, this <laughs> episode. So let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Big Tony style. Yes. Uh, of course. <laughs> And Big Tony Styles says, my recent Black Friday and Cyber Monday purchases are starting to arrive and suddenly my gaming backlog has ballooned. I typically don't jump from game to game, so I'm going to tackle the shortest games first. How do the Omega Cops handle a bevy of games, especially during holiday season, when you try and wrap up games in the running for the annual Damie Awards? Because <laughs> that's the what we're all doing. Awards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is that end of year, you know, rush to to the finish line for all the stuff that you haven't finished. So I guess that's that's a big part of my uh, gaming habit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I get through my backlog. But I actually, I'm kind of the opposite. I actually do juggle games um, at a time. So if I hit a point where I'm like frustrated with something or bored, that's when I'll take the the cue from from my own kind of reference points to to switch over to something else. So I was switching over between like. Death's Door and an inscription and Psychonauts 2, which I finished, which was oh, very wow. good. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Um, kind of wish I spent more time with collectibles before I finished it, but that's a oh, whole other not, conversation. <laughs> you can't go back, I guess. It's good to um, know. Yeah, I mean, you you can. You can sit in the world, but I just feel like because there aren't a lot of, like, missions left, there's some, like, random little side missions. Mm-hmm. So you can go back through, but I like to have missions that push me through um, where I'm side by side doing collectibles. So I wish I kind of did them more in tandem. Uh, I lose some of my momentum that way if I get through the final chapters of a game. But yeah, I'll, I'll just juggle back and forth. Like if I get tired of one, jump to the other and try to multitask as much as possible. Sam, yeah, how do you manage your quote unquote backlog? I mean, it's going to sound strange to say it this way, but it's in the order of how excited I am to play those things. Like I totally mm-hmm. procrastinate on the game set. I, but that's that's a difference between me and probably a lot of listeners is that like there's games that I feel obligated to play. And they're usually really cool, and they and and I end up liking them, but they're not games in my normal wheelhouse. And I have to challenge myself. That would happen for um, certain types of genres, right? Because I want to like I don't normally play, uh, for instance, racing games, but I should absolutely be playing Forza because people love it, and it's a, a it's a popular <clears throat> topic. And uh, I did like it. I I played it, and I was like, this is great. And I can't wait to play more of it. Um, but I still then in that time, like other games came out that excited me a lot. So I was like, well, I can't put down guardians. You know, I'm really excited about that. And I, I was playing other games too. So then I have to, uh, then that gets further and further back in my log, but it's totally like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there's enough out that I'm interested in that. I want to get through that, uh, much as much of that as I can. And then, you know, what I have to play, which is always really fun and educational. 
And Justin, I know you don't often finish games. You basically just play them until you feel like you're, you've gotten enough out of them and then on to the next thing, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're me in 2021, apparently you just throw your backlog into the trash and do nothing but play Halo all night, every night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I don't, um, I don't feel a sense of ever since I became a dad, uh, which it's been a long time now. Like my kids are, my oldest one is seven. Um, No, no shame about putting a game down anymore. I have this much time to play video games at night and I don't want to spend it playing anything except whatever I'm most excited about or most energized about or the thing like there's no sort of forcing myself to slog through a game to completion. Like, no, no, no. Like that time is very precious to me. And, um, you know, whatever is going to sort of maximize my fun and enjoyment for that evening. That's, that's what I'll play. Mm-hmm. And, and plus like the, the type of game that I like, you know, dwarf fortressy, Minecraft factorio kind of games, like, mm-hmm. You know, they're endless. Like, you can play them for as long as you're sort of wringing fun and enjoyment out of the puzzle of, of mm. what you want to build in that game. And so it's even a little bit different for, like, some of the types of games that I'm drawn to are less sort of, you know, you're going to put in 10 hours into a narrative narrative adventure anyway. Mm-hmm. This idea of a gaming backlog, I feel like, is a very modern gaming mm-hmm. construct. Uh and it's, it's, it's probably just because it's a result of the fact that there are more games than ever being released every day. And gaming just in general is cheaper than ever because there's constantly sales, exactly. even a, a, outside of Black Friday. So like people are always able to pick up games for cheap. And then their list of games that they own, but they haven't played yet just keeps piling up, right? Well, I'd add to that too, that there's also no way to return or exchange the games that you're buying digitally. And That's it true. used to be that like your backlog was probably a bunch of games that you'd trade for new games. That's just what it was with physical mm-hmm. media. So that's another modernist take on it. Yeah, the running joke is like all the Steam sales are specifically what contributes to everybody's backlog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I specific like I used to literally maintain a backlog. Like here's a spreadsheet of you know games mm-hmm. I want to get through and yada yada. And then that went out the window. Um, not not just when I became a parent, but like. That was around the same time that like Humble Bundle and Game Bundles became a thing. Mm. And then all of a sudden, well, I have 400 games in my Steam library, like, you know, some of which I didn't even care about or like really explicitly want, but they came along for free in this bundle. And so Mm. like, do they go on the backlog? Like now I have Game Pass, like the concept of like, I have a set number of games that I'm trying to get through. It's it, it, it doesn't jive with, um, with the way that I'm buying and consuming games anymore. Yeah. Game Scoop's latest controversy is Game Pass a backlog? <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, I just added a yes. bunch of games. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying, <laughs> including right? Yakuza Zero is on my list from Game Pass Two. Let's oh, see so how good. long it sits before I get to it. <laughs> Gosh, I know. My advice, the way that I approach it, and my advice to Scoop Nation is to let go of the idea of your backlog. At least, in, uh, let go of the idea that it's like a list of chores that you need to get to because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be an enjoyable hobby. It's supposed to be for fun. It shouldn't feel like, um, you know, an obligation. It shouldn't feel like a job, you know, things that you have to do because you don't want to just play when it's, when it's time to play games, when the kids are in bed or whatever, when it's Saturday morning, when you roll out of bed and play games, just play whatever sounds like fun in that moment. Yep. Agreed. That's my advice. Or watch TV. Or watch TV or do whatever. That's also that's fun. Like, if there's something else that sounds like more fun than playing video games, do that instead. If but you don't <laughs> go outside. Do, do not <laughs> go <laughs> Whatever <outside>. you do. <laughs> 
I mean, TV show backlogs is a thing too, especially if like, you know, also towards the end of the year when we're doing votes for, for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a little bit of a different position. We literally have yes. to try all these games, uh, you know, so we can vote in these awards. Everyone mm-hmm. else out there doesn't have that problem. They can just play whatever they yeah. want. Whenever <laughs> they want. What a problem. I will say I have discovered yeah. games that I liked more than I read on paper. So mm-hmm. like, you know, reading it on paper is like, oh, that sounds like an interesting gimmick. But then I actually tried out like Loop Hero. I was surprised mm-hmm. at how much mm-hmm. I liked that one like loop looping mechanic. Um, and I don't think that I would have fallen and given myself the opportunity to fall in love with it if I hadn't put it on my OK, must check out for various game of the year mm-hmm. considerations list. Yeah. Loop Hero is one uh, that I still need to play, but it's not on my backlog. I'll just get <laughs> oh. to it when I get to it. But you're going to you're going to love it, Damon. It's yeah. totally a Damien game. It is yeah. totally a Dammy game. We'll have Scoop Nation keep your backlog for you, Damon. It'll there be inescapable. <laughs> I wish. I wish it worked that way. I wish everyone else could play my games while I'm not playing them. Nice <laughs> no, you'd still have to play them. Yeah. You'd they just, just tell you it. when. Yeah. We'll get the Game Scoop Scoop historian to make a list of every game yeah. you said you were going to play eventually. Yes. Yes. That, exactly. Exactly. There is. I mean, that's good. There is that a, is good. a Game Scoop historian. Good. Uh, this is Will Brown in St. Cloud, Florida. Says listener, male first timer, but longtime listener. Do any of you have a holiday ritual that is centered on video games? For me, starting November, I pick one or two titles per console and play through from 8 bit all the way to current gen, hopefully playing to completion. You think he means like series, like a game series? Yeah. So I, don't, I don't know what else, what that, what else mm-hmm. that would mean. Mm-hmm. Then on Christmas Day, I get to sink my teeth into the new game experiences received from gifts. Overall, it feels great celebrating the years of holiday video gaming I've had over the years, and I get to see and appreciate the steady jumps and fidelity over time. I can imagine it's going to get harder to get it all in before Christmas as more console generations come in the future. P.S. Safe states are never off limits in this house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So That's pretty good. That's a cute idea. Um, me, I don't think I have any like video game traditions over the holidays anyone else yeah not really i mean it's it's a well-told story on scoop now that like i wasn't raised with being allowed to have consoles but my cousins did and we mm. frequently visited them i born and raised in new york and i have cousins in boston so we frequently would do the road trip over and that was like the delight if it was thanksgiving or if it was christmas we'd have mm-hmm. access to some of their consoles so we play multiplayer games so i guess that's the closest to tradition as it mm. gets and these days it's really just that you know, not Christmas so much, but maybe Thanksgiving, taking advantage of the time to get through our backlog for Game of the Year nomination stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's become a work tradition. I don't have any kind of like, you know, I play Super Metroid every Christmas break, like nothing <laughs> like that. But I think I think kind of like informally, like once it gets to be fall, suddenly I just want to start eating soup. It's like, I don't need salads anymore. <laughs> like it's soup season now. Soup. And like in, in that same way. I'm kind of starting to think about like, I just downloaded and reinstalled Dragon Age Inquisition. Like, I think I, I subconsciously am like drawn to some like big, cozy role playing Mm. game during this season. Um, But not, you know, there's no, there's no like set and stone tradition for me in my house. Yeah. Um, I, 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 first of all, it's Lord of the Rings season. So yeah, you haven't got your, your box copy of Lord of the Rings and whatever newest edition is out. I think there was a, ultra 4k edition out last year which i got and rewatching that was nice they tweaked the the um cg to work in 4k really nicely it's amazing looking um but that's always a cozy fun watch if not a game 
Um, but uh, traditionally, I really try to use to, to combine both questions, uh, the holiday break to do a backlog game that means a lot to somebody else or something that I've never played. Um, so I've uh, examples have included Final Fantasy VII, Chrono Trigger I played for the first time over a holiday break, which I'd never played back in the day, stuff like that. So, you know, if it's big and it's and it's uh, accessible is a big deal. I think what it's going to be this holiday break is not as retro as those, but I, I need to play uh, Half-Life Alex, And like, I, I'm kind of like, you know, there's enough people that, that love that game that that's where mm-hmm. I like want to spend my non-work playing time is like trying to figure out like, what are the classics that I've missed? Basically. I do one. How are you going to play Half-Life Alex? No, well, I guess you're I going, I guess a- you're going back into the office now. Yeah, we have office access, but I have one of the office um, Oculus Quest twos. I think it's Quest twos. Mm. Oculi. Oculi. Yeah, and 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 a gaming PC that can run stuff. I, I've actually loaded up the game. I just have never delved into it, and um, I, I can't wait. Actually, I like just the other day, Ryan McCaffrey was telling me, you know, and we were in a meeting talking about Half Life in general. He's like, you know, like Half Life Alex is like my favorite Half Life now, and it's one of my favorite games. I was just I just couldn't believe that, and I, I can't wait to play. Yeah. We gave it a 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to play every 10 also, by the way. Like, that's a thing, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I just missed Flight Simulator and Half-Life <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Which I could play with my Oculus 2, maybe, right? That's uh, true. Technically. That'd be so scary. Mm-hmm. I don't want to so, fly a plane anyway, let alone on my face. <laughs> just one notch above Resident Evil on VR, though. Oh, my God. Mm. That lady chasing you around the hallway, <laughs> screaming. Great. It's just what I want stuck to my eyeballs. <laughs> exactly. I do have a lot of good memories of getting games for Christmas and then like playing games with my cousins uh, over Christmas break. I got the NES the first Christmas that it was available widely, which I believe is 1986. And then I remember I had I had the pack in, you know, with Rob the robot and the the zapper. So I had Duck Hunt and Jeremite. And I also had Super Mario Brothers. But Sam, I think we were talking about this one time. You think that was sold separately? Super Mario Brothers yeah. wasn't included in that pack? Yeah, that's right. You would have had a... Well, I'm not sure. So the Rob the Robot pack was a standalone without even a zapper in it. And so do you think you got a zapper independently? I mean, no, I don't think so. I think it, it, was, okay. it was the entertainment system. I, I can't picture the Rob plus zapper system. I have the Rob box and it's like a big, long, square one. And then there yeah. was the control deck and the action set, which is the duck hunt one and then the there's just uh, those are the permutations but i'm sure that it does exist as a permutation i just i can't picture it anyway yeah you would have bought super mario brothers separately probably but the confusing thing about that is that you might have gotten it packed in with duck hunt on right. a cartridge and then gyromite on a cartridge because i just am unaware of the zapper rob Conk. i know they're all separate cartridges oh well that's interesting <laughs> then you yeah. then you got it separately because nintendo wouldn't have shipped you know multiple cartridges unless it was just for the the hardware separations did you damon did you also have the opposite experience you're like yes christmas game let's go and then you're like oh no oh no like your little heart sinks no because they're all good even bad games are good Uh, when you're a little kid oh yeah that's what i was saying like you get you get like two games a year like that's it man like that's it for the year and then sometimes you play it and you're like i mean i had that with faxanadu or now we call it fazanadu but like i still remember playing the heck out of it and it was in nintendo power so i didn't care yeah same i did that with bart versus the space mutants oh god that's a rough game when you're a kid and of course now i mean you know i got 
uh, Fester's Quest for Christmas one year, but I, I loved that. I didn't even know that that was actually a terrible Exactly. Kid, yeah. Kids don't know games are bad. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. I got, <laughs> I know I got Karate Champ uh, for NES, and Sam, that would be a really early NES game. Do you think I would have gotten that in 86 also? I'm surprised uh, that you had an 86 NES, actually. I know, well, Rob so it soft, launched, it soft launched in 85 in New York and L.A. Yeah. Yeah, so there would have been hype by then. Yeah. I didn't get mine until the, the, the power pad was out, but I'd played it at mm. a friend's house. And stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, you would have got that in 86. It's crazy. But it's and a black box game. So you had all black box games, those really early ones. Well, well no, what is Karate Champ? No, no, no. Champ? Kung Fu Kung is a black box. Kung Fu is a black box. Karate Champ yeah. is that like maroon with a it's, yellow well, logo on it. I think it's bluish, actually, but yeah. Uh, and playing it today is crazy because there's lots of voice samples in it. And it was like a super early NES game. And I is sure it, I didn't is appreciate it a port that. of a arcade game of an arcade game? Yeah, yeah. That's true. I don't know um, the karate games very well. <laughs> we should do a top ten karate games. So, along the same lines of, of getting a bad game and then being stuck with it, we have a question here from David in Western. Australia says, uh, it's his first question after over 10 years of listening to the show says I was in my local EB games yesterday with my wife, enjoying a rare break from parenting when she gave approval for a new game purchase after browsing around for a little, I came to the conclusion that there wasn't much I needed. Although I was tempted by far cry six guardians of the galaxy, etc., Just not enough to say, yes, I need this. It made me think back to being a young teen in Scotland and how I could spend an hour searching through shelves at game reading every game box and truly exploring what was available. Now with so much information available and so much gaming content, I generally scan a shelf and know what most games are and how they were received pretty quickly, meaning I no longer discover games the way I used to. So my question is, does the illustrious panel miss the days of knowing less about games, the discovery of seeing a box on the shelf for the first time and taking it home to unravel its mystery for yourself? <laughs> Anyone? Um, okay. I have two thoughts. One yeah. is that I did that mainly with rentals, right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'd go to the, the, you know, up through the blockbuster days, you'd go and kind of look at like, oh, look at all these Super Nintendo Genesis games or look at all these PlayStation games. Like what, what are the, the fun ones to check out? Um, and then they were inevitably, you know, either cool or disappointing. But let me caveat that with there wasn't a time in my life in which I was interested in games that I was not reading about games because mm-hmm. I got into Nintendo Power at the same time, I got an NES, uh, just completely concurrently, um, and I always looked at the previews, and I always looked at like you know the, the special games in there, and I got excited about games by looking at magazine pages, and that, that carried through to EGM in the early '90s, and it carried through to IGN in the late '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's the through line. I mean, that's why I do this job is because I really liked. That's what I loved. I loved like reading and 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 reading about games, and then getting excited about them before I bought them. And then making a consumer decisions based on that. I don't know. That was like a thing I was cared about even being a little. Yeah, it's yeah, true it's, that. Or go ahead, Tina. I was just going to kind of relate to that because also just the general like knowledge base that's out there inherently means you're not um, you're not just looking at what's available on a shelf, what was able to get 
that kind of attention at a store, at a retailer, um, whatever size it may be. Like there's, there are way too many games out there. So inherently having access to more information does mean you could probably get towards, you know, information overload on one particular title. If it has a huge marketing budget and there's like a thousand trailers that come out and eventually you're like, all right, I'm sick of it. I just want to play the thing that definitely happens with some of the bigger budget games, but without like access to a larger swath of news, you're kind of inevitably limiting how many games you can discover anyway. So even mm. just looking at like Steam pages um, for different games and taking a really quick look at some of the gameplay videos and trailers at your own leisure kind of gives you more access to pen- potential more games. Like I don't think Loop Hero is a game I would have played unless I was sitting and reading about it and discovering mm. like, oh, this sounds interesting. I might be I might be down to play it versus if I just saw like box art somewhere, not that it's a physical yeah. game or anything. Yeah, I don't know that there was really too long of a time in my life when I didn't feel super informed about every game that I would see on the shelves. Because like Sam was saying, by 1990, like EGM was so thick and there was Nintendo Power. So like there weren't too many games coming to retail that hadn't been written about and had screenshots posted in some magazine. So, But like those first couple of years before Nintendo Power, I think I was just like, seeing commercials. I I remember commercials for uh, Zelda and Mike Tyson's punch out. And then I think there was like word of mouth spreading around. So like there weren't commercials for Contra or Mega Man, but other kids at school in the playground were talking about those games, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely like uh, my relationship with playing video games is wrapped up in my relationship with reading about them. And then really probably pretty quickly from the time I was about 12 or 13 writing about them. And that's always been like one big thing for me. Um, I, yeah, like when I was super little, like, yeah, I can remember picking a game based off box art and stuff like that. Never, never ended up well. Yeah. <laughs> That's the risk. <laughs> That's how I ended um, up with Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yep. No. Oh gosh. That game's really bad. You had that yeah. one? I, I, I spent my allowance money on it. It was so terrible. Aww, yeah. Brutal. That game, Frankenstein's really bad too. Yeah. Uh, kind of a similar monstery game. Um, I uh, wanted to add to that, that like, I didn't get to experience this really in any in any way but there was a time in which games were basically reliant on in-person eye candy to attract people over and that was the big arcade era and i think that would have been so exciting to like you go to a destination there's these giant machines that have like custom light displays and and things to draw different types of uh players in and you never knew what you're going to get because arcades there's no promo strategy nobody knew what nintendo was and like you know games would come in and just appear there and sometimes they'd appear in northern california especially here the bay area they'd appear there when they're in test markets and you just play this Mm -hmm. new game you might never see it again because they might just never even manufacture that game like that's true like in-person excitement that i regret missing but just to cap that thought i really recommend going to an arcade show sometime go to like uh we have one up here called california extreme and um go, go to one when when they're possible again because it you do because there's so many unknown games anyway that you just missed. I, I mean, I'm I'm heavily into this, and I get so excited walking into one of those, being like, "What the heck is this War of the Worlds game that's in black and white vector graphics that has an amazing cabinet that I've never seen before?" Like that that'll just happen at these conventions, and it's super yeah. cool. I guess you could recreate the experience of like walking into a blockbuster or whatever by like. <clears throat> logging on and looking at game pass and seeing what's available and just randomly yeah. downloading things. Like I definitely downloaded a couple things where I'm like, Oh, Sable, like 
heard that name passed around a few times, definitely should put it on the list and keep it on the backlog. Like you, you do, you go through, that's like the modern equivalent of how you go mm-hmm. through that experience of just picking things off a shelf, digital yeah. shelf. Yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. You should format it that way. It's just like we go into game store mode and you like go and you're like looking at shelves. Yeah. One, once VR is widespread enough, you just be able to like walk around the store like they show in sure. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, this is Kyle in San Francisco. He says, with the Game Awards coming next week and IGN's awards season on the horizon, I was curious about your thoughts on awards and award shows and the games industry. While GameScoop may be the only video game podcast, it seems like there are a lot of different sources and shows for game awards. There doesn't seem to be any a definitively recognized Game of the Year award, whereas the Emmys, Grammys, Oscars, and Tonys dominate each of their respective fields. So why are there so many different Game of the Year sources? And why isn't there one award show that the industry and fans rally around? Do you think there will ever be one Game of the Year award that is recognized above others, perhaps on the level of the Oscars? Uh, is it the Game Awards, the Dice Awards, IGN's Game of the Year awards, the Damies? So, I mean, there's a good reason for this, right? <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking like Jeff Keighley's ears are scratching somewhere out there in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Or There's burning, a, whatever the English yeah, equivalent yeah, of that yeah. is. <laughs> um, it's a good reason. The Oscars, the Grammys, are, um, the Emmys, those are all award ceremonies given, put on by the industry. So it's people who work in the industry giving themselves awards. So, Whereas, you know, IGN's an independent media company. You know, We don't make so games. Except for IGN 25, the game. That's true. <laughs> um, but that, that, that makes the Dice Awards the closest equivalent, right? Where it's voted yeah. on by a journey of your peers versus, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. media voted awards are more like, you know, the Golden Globes in front of the Oscars. And yeah. every media outlet does their own, you know, irris- even from an entertainment standpoint, like irrespective of the formal official capacity ones, they'll do their own end of year stuff too. And I kind of always see it as like, I think it's good that there are multiple ones. I'm sure that from you know just a general audience standpoint there's got to be a level of fatigue involved in that too but mm-hmm. you know what you would generally do is pick the outlets or maybe the bylines that you most associate with and kind of follow that around similar to reviews you know like for when you're looking around and reading people's reviews you might read several of them you might not agree with all of them there might be points that you allocate from reading a few of them and you can kind of arrive at your own conclusion that way so it's it's useful as like a recommendation system if you can if you look at a couple awards and like oh if several of these outlets that i follow recommended sable for a variety of categories maybe that means i should check it out and that's like a, a kind of a crude system that you can use rather than giving it too much weight i think is the trick yeah yeah, yeah. i actually think or go ahead Justin. i mean there's also awards as a game recommendation like yes this game won an award now i must play it it's great versus uh, a recognition of the artistic achievement you know particularly if we're talking about acting awards or animation or, or uh, uh, like if you're an animator in a video game and your game wins an animation award, like that is a feel good moment for you, but it's not necessarily like, yes, you consumers should now go out and play that game. It's just kind of, um, you know, a, a recognition of someone being at the top of their craft. Unless you're mm-hmm. really into animation. Sure. Yeah. Then like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think having independent, you know, media awards is more valuable than something like the Oscars or the Grammys. Because uh, like I said, for the, the Oscars are directors and producers and actors and screenwriters all voting for themselves and, and their their colleagues and that sort of thing. But of course, you know, IGN has 
you know, movie of the year awards, other outlets, uh, slash film, Rolling Stone, everyone who covers movies will have their own awards and they're a little bit more, I don't know, they're a little bit more. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Very impartial. I'm going to share my screen now. So we're going to jump back to 2003, December of 2003. This is a time that I was not reading Nintendo Power. I mean, this was a time when people weren't playing Nintendo games, too. Well, this is, so this is the GameCube era. Okay, pull it. let's just go full screen. Okay, everyone got this? Yeah. 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 December 2003, Nintendo Power, Fire Emblem GBA on the cover. I mm-hmm. think that was the first Fire Emblem to come... To North America? Yeah, I mean, it was Intelligent Systems' big follow-up from Advance Wars. And, yeah. you know, for a hot second there, they were alternating between the two before before Fire Emblem seemed to win. Yeah. Uh, also in this issue, Mario Kart Double Dash, Kirby Air Ride, Mill Your Solid Twin Snakes. So this is the GameCube and Game Boy Advance era of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam, you think this is sort of a downtime for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember reading IGN frequently during this time. And, you know, the IGN Nintendo team had a real hard... They got clowned on constantly by the PlayStation team, and uh, they did a really good job hyping me on, on uh, GameCube games because that's all I had to play games on. This is also um, this is peak peak Monkey Ball era. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's late late 2013. Well, late 2003. Yes. Emphasize yeah. the sadness of the era. I loved Double Dash. I mean, we, I played a lot of Double Dash and Monkey Ball. Um, so this is when this is an area era when Nintendo Power had ads, which is a little bit. 
odd sometimes, yeah. but we got an ad so. for uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, which is a game I loved. And this just seeing this totally makes me want to play Final Fantasy Tactics Advance again. And they're pushing the subscriptions. They're pushing subscriptions. Uh, if you subscribe, you can pick your own player's guide uh, from Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, or Mario Kart Double Dash. And a I print think guide so for cool. a racing game. Sure. A print sure. guide. Yeah. You need to know how to play. Sam. That's crazy. Uh, Justin, can you shed light on this? This is an ad for Magic the Gathering Super Series. Does it, do you, were you playing Magic at this time? Uh, I mean, I was in and out my whole life. Mm. I don't I don't know what this is. This is probably like the junior, like they had a for, farm league for their pro league. Yeah. It says it's, it's for players 15 or under. Mm. Oh, no. I don't know what the junior... I mean, it, it says like prize pool, college scholarships. Yeah. So no, I don't know this explicitly, but this was in the peak of like Magic's power. And like, it was like an eSport before eSports were a thing. It was on ESPN yeah. when there were these giant prize pools and they had a pro <laughs> league. And so... It sounds like this is some kid's version of like a farm league for that, but no, I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's pretty cool. Magic the Gathering ad in Nintendo Power. This is an ad for a uh, clone trooper statue. A new, I guess this is like a Hasbro line of Star Wars statues because mm. they've also got Chewbacca and Skywalker. And so what, 2003 would be after um, Attack of the Clones? Mm. Is that right? I guess that's between right? that and Sith. And Sith, yeah. Because Sith was 05, I want to say. Uh, some pretty good letters in the uh, player polls here. A letter from oh, letter art. Peg leg tricky said in Super Mario Advance Four, Super Mario Brothers Three for GBA. Can you choose between Mario and Luigi? I remember in both of the old versions for NES and Super NES that you could only be Luigi if you played a two-player game. You can have a two-player game in the GBA version, right? Nintendo Power says Luigi is in Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3, and you can play as him two ways in a two-player game and in the new one-player e-reader card levels. Oh, boy. That's so complicated. Yep. There's so much going on there. You have to buy the e-reader card and then scan it, and then you can just play as Luigi in a single-player game. I love the amount of times that my brain flashes on those old GBA e-reader cards. is so frequent, like because it's the weirdest <laughs> thing of like this physical device that you would you would swipe cards like you swipe a credit card and then it would it would do stuff in Game Boy games and like there was a there was a WarioWare there was a Mario Party and they made there's Super Mario World levels that nobody on earth has ever played because they came out 10 years <laughs> after Mario World in the GBA version and you had to swipe a card to play them like it's <laughs> it's completely insane um it is insane and they talk about I used a little bit this week really to do what? What did you unlock? Well, we are, you know, it's for a, a project for IGN. Okay. But uh, I was uh, uh, just making sure they were working because I was going mm. through a bunch of our library stuff and I found a couple cards in e reader. <laughs> I was like, I've never even messed with one of these before. <laughs> I look and at I it. Just see how they work, too. They have like a little barcode, basically, and yep. a camera reads it. It's like a QR code. I like, I, I look at it on eBay all the time. Like the, the amount of times that I like, I'm hovering over the buy button. I should just do it. It doesn't look like a Nintendo device. It's like clear gray plastic mm -hmm. and like the e-reader logo doesn't look Nintendo-y. It looks like a fax machine from 1998. Yep. Very strange. It's awesome. Uh, does everyone remember the Ubisoft game 13? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cell yeah, up in 20 questions all the time. With David Duchovny uh, providing his voice, I think. Uh, I didn't remember that. A question from Catherine says, is Ubisoft's game pronounced X-I-I-I -I -I or 8? <laughs> 
I would really love to know because it looks like an awesome game. Just thought that was funny. Oh, it is pronounced 13. And then uh, I guess Nintendo Power had asked uh, readers what their favorite video game series was. Heidi wrote in to say, my favorite game series of all time is the Legend of Zelda series. What other series has a hunky, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Hylian who makes the girls <laughs> swoon at first sight? I don't really think of Link as hunky, but you know, you, you do you. He's pretty hunky Heidi. in Breath of the Wild. Like back then? Well, I guess he starts off with his shirt off, I guess. And she does specify, you know, the the, the region specific, and yeah. it's kind of limited to Zelda there. <laughs> yeah. Mark says, my favorite series would be Banjo-Kazooie. It brought me what I've always wanted, gameplay with variety in it. Oh, I thought he was going to say a hunky bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this one from Aaron. My favorite game series is Kirby. I have all the Game Boy Kirby games. The only Kirby game I haven't played is Kirby's Dream Course. To make a long story short, Kirby is the best game series ever. I want to give a shout out to my Kirby crazed friend, Andrew Kirby rules. <laughs> what's, what's that letter writer's name? Andrew, Aaron, sorry. Aaron, Aaron and Andrew. Yep. Aaron don't, and don't Andrew. at me. <laughs> um, is there any other? Oh yeah. My favorite series of all time is earthbound because this game has got some of the coolest characters, rad places and the storyline of the series was funny in some parts, but serious in others. Oh, the Earthbound is not a series in the U.S., is it? Oh, man, that might be the debate of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> An ad for Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. I've never played this, this game. I had it. But it says from the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, it's good. Sonic Team. It's good. It's pretty fun. Never played that one. Some more album art, and in, uh, including some nice. particularly funny ones of Link doing other odd, job, odd jobs, uh, including being a salaryman and being in Dragon Ball Z, I guess. Okay. Beautiful Joe. The power charts. Top-selling Nintendo GameCube games. Number one, Soul Calibur 2. Mm. Followed by Mario Golf, Toadstool Tour, got Madden in there, F-Zero GX, Super Smash Brothers Melee. It's interesting to see a Mario Golf game outselling Smash Brothers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Player's Choice games. There's an asterisk. <laughs> Player's Choice, but it says Player's Choice uh, courtesy of the Nintendo Power crew. So oh, this great. is just what the, the editors like are looking forward to at the time. Beautiful Joe, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, Mario Kart Double Dash, and Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Beautiful Joe is, um, it's not literally the first, it's one of the first games I can remember writing a review for. Wow. For, mm. I, wasn't, I wasn't being paid at the time. I was working as a volunteer writer for a, for a fan site, like a lot of kids were at the time. Yeah. The I think that Soul Calibur has Link in it, right? That's yep. the one, right? That's the one. Yep. And then under Most Wanted, it's Tales of Symphonia. Justin, did you play that one? Yeah, that was the is only. It, it's, it's the it's the first Tales game, and that's the only one I've played. Isn't there a new Tales game like out this year that people like a lot? Yes, yeah, Arise. Tales of, of Arise. Arise. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's interesting. Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, Resident Evil Four, Killer Seven. Ooh, they're going to be disappointed, I think. And Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. I Here's like a Walmart. Killer 7. You like Killer 7? I thought people didn't yeah. like it. Okay. Uh, a Walmart Ooh. ad that's a little unusual. It's a, a little man standing on top of a giant GameCube. What? And it <laughs> says, 1492, Columbus declares the world is round. 2003, Michael disagrees. Oh, wow. Interesting. What? I don't, because it's a cube? But like, I don't know. I don't because there's another it. dimension to it. It's, it's, also it's not like round, but objectively false, Michael. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I don't why, know. Why is why is Walmart doing that ad? Yeah, I don't get it. Hey, like, hey Walmart, you want to buy an ad about Nintendo in our magazine about Nintendo? Seems yeah. a little circuitous there. <laughs> We're going to hear from Kmart a little later in the issue. Uh, the okay. Game Boy, best-selling Game Boy lips, uh, list is Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, Donkey Kong Country, some Dragon Ball Z game, some Yu-Gi-Oh game, Disney's Finding Nemo. Not, nothing really too uh, uh, exciting in there. But under the Player's Choice Game Boy list, it's Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, Fire Emblem, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Better games in there. Dude, look at how... Wait, go back. So the GameCube came out 2001, so it's two years old. Yep. And look, at it's $99 at Walmart. I know. Oh, <laughs> that makes my yeah. heart hurt. I know they had to drop the price that much, I, I, but I think it was only two hundred at launch. I want to say. Oh boy, what a steal! I mean, that yeah. you, look, it probably yeah, cost you ninety nine dollars to buy a GameCube now in twenty twenty one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, under Game Watch uh, for like previews, they've got Tony Hawk's Underground, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, True Crime, Streets of L.A., Donkey Konga, Star Wars: Flight of the Falcon, which I thought was how did I not know about this game? But it's a GBA game. Oh, and then oh. Ultimate Card Games, and then of course the deal of the century, a little news bite. If you haven't bought a Nintendo GameCube yet, now's the time because Nintendo recently slashed the price to a suggested ninety nine dollars. Incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. What else is in here? Oh yeah, GBA goes wireless. Sometimes the most challenging part of connectivity is getting connected. Nintendo took a giant step to make that easier by revealing a wireless accessory for GBA that will take the place of the GBA Game Link cables. The device, still unnamed, uses high-speed RF technology developed by Motorola and will be introduced early next year in Japan with two new Pokemon games for GBA. No release date has been set for North America at this time. We'll keep you posted. Is this just for wirelessly connecting... To, to another Game Bo- Game Boy? Yeah, I mean, it says it's replacing the Link cable. Like, you'd, yeah. you'd cable Game Boys together, like, trade Pokemon and, and you know, play mm-hmm. games against each other. But I don't, I don't ever remember this thing. That tech was definitely built into the DS, although the DS also yeah. just had Wi-Fi. Maybe that wireless adapter never came out in the U.S. I'm not sure. Uh, but here's another bizarre peripheral that apparently Nintendo released in China. It says blows a photograph, a very cool and very different gaming device from Nintendo. What looks like a big, big controller is actually the IQ player, a new gaming system that Nintendo is introducing in China. The IQ is a controller and console in one games are copied onto memory cards at retailers and plugged into the IQ. Like a GBA game pack would be the system is compact and inexpensive selling for the equivalent of 60 us dollars. The IQ was designed to play translated versions of super NES and Nintendo 64 games and new games that will be developed for the console in China by Chinese development teams. We think Nintendo's designers deserve a big hand. (laughs) I didn't know it played super Nintendo games. Yeah. Well, so you, you were, you've heard of this thing before. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was aware that it was like a Nintendo 64 effort in China. I didn't know it was a controller with a console in it. Yeah, I remember the IQ name and branding, mm. but not not these specifics. Weird. Mm. Uh, remember the, the trilogy of Lord of the Rings games? Sammy says yeah. that time of year. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I only played the Two Towers one, but it, like, yeah. it got me through. They basically, just, RPG. They basically just let you play through each movie, right? In big yeah. action games uh they're showing for the time they're showing return of the king here and then bizarrely oh yeah there's a 
screenshots of Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time. I just think it's funny because we're, we're still waiting on that remake from Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah. uh, randomly, there's just an interview with Todd McFarlane in here, and it doesn't seem to be related to anything. It's just, <laughs> it's just thrown in the middle, and it just it opens up with the question, what are some of your inspirations for the male Bolgia character? And I have no idea who that is or what that's from. Uh, or is- that's the lead demon from Spawn in like the first uh, run of Spawn early issues. There's like okay. a giant, giant like cool monster demon. Okay, still seems a little random. Strange. Very strange. Uh, There's a do you play video all- games question? Yeah, but he says no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, so do you play video games? I've got three young kids, so I don't play that many games with them. We have a hectic life. But when we do play, it's usually Super Mario or Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Justin, did you ever play Onimusha Tactics? No, I didn't know there was an Onimusha Tactics. This looks like I didn't either. my kind of game. I know. I, I love the pixel art. It looks like you know Final Fantasy Tactics. So nope, I'll have to check that one out sometime. So here's a section about websites of the time. Nintendo Online, I guess Kirby's website. So they're, sh- they're showcasing Kirby's official website, which was KirbyKirbyKirby.com. <laughs> I think that still exists. I'm going to go to it. I think um, around this era, I don't. it might literally be in 2003, um, I actually owned MarioKartDoubleDash.com. <laughs> Jeez. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I used to make a, I used to make a hobby out of like grabbing domain names when things were <laughs> when like things were announced. Yeah. They're like they're detailing things you can find at supermarioadvance.com, f0.jp. So Kirby 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 forwards you to kirby.nintendo.com, which for a force. Which for a force. Okay. <laughs> cool. Here's our big cover story on Fire Emblem. I've actually never played this Fire Emblem on GBA. See, I think it's I think it's a remake of the original, the NES original. I don't quite recall. I, I played it. I own it. Um, big preview on Mario Kart Double Dash, which is a little they, the way they handle it is interesting. Let's see, they explain it here. Uh, Mario Kart games have always been about freewheeling fun, and the latest entry, Double Dash, for the GameCube is the wildest ride yet. The game is so good that we decided to show it to some dedicated kart fans to get their reactions. Nintendo Power discovered Todd and Buzz while reading their fanzine, The Art of Kart, and decided that they would be the perfect pair to preview the new game. So they've got two writers from a Mario Kart fanzine to do this preview. Influencers. Yeah, they are the original influencers. (laughs) There was one good little quote. Uh, so it, they go over different features, and then they allow both Todd and Bud to sort of give their opinion. So for on the on the uh, topic of you know should you re- go with a heavy cart or a light cart, Buzz says I'm going to go on record as saying heavy carts are for studs, and light carts are for people who forget when their half of the rent is due. Oh, okay. <laughs> do I don't think, understand. Do you think <laughs> it, do they exist? What Todd and Buzz? Yeah, mm, you think they're constructs? The Nintendo Power—they <laughs> could do whatever they wanted, man. There's no cop. There's no cops. It's true. It's true. And then they're having a giveaway for this T-shirt, this Mario Kart Double Dash T-shirt, but it's just the front is black with some tire tracks on it, and then oh, the back there's a, a very small image of either Mario or Luigi. Oh God! <laughs> it says there's only like um, uh, 500 of them that they gave out. 500 winners, yeah. All right, Scoop Nation, if you yeah. have one of these, we want to see you wearing yep. it. Yep, yep, yep. We want you to model it for us. Uh, Mario Party 5, is this one of the good ones, Sam? Hell yeah, it's one of the good ones. Okay. Peak, peak Mario Party. Peak Mario Party, okay. It came with a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Was... And then their, uh, their spread out, their, their poster spread was just 
facts about Mario Party 5, and then a Mario for President poster. Nice. I like this poster. It's a Beyond Good and Evil ad. That's a great game, but it's also mm-hmm. interesting since it's an ad, you have there they've got the PlayStation and Xbox logos in Nintendo Power. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> okay. This is a totally bizarre feature. I guess there was a Kirby cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, there was. Okay. Right I didn't know. You. It was on Fox. Yeah, at the and same time that Pokemon was on. A little bit after, and, maybe. So this says, on October 13th, Kirby Air Ride started tearing up the skies with new action for the Pink Powerhouse. This issue, we're continuing our sneak preview of fall TV episodes that will reveal the game's backstory. So is this a pre... Is Are they... Are these like images from the cartoon? Because it's like several pages long. For some reason, I think that that's like a a manga version of the anime, and I don't know why they're doing it this way. Yeah, they like made a comic book out of it using still frames. Yeah, it's a, but like they show a lot of it, so I don't know. It's just I didn't even realize there was a Kirby cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Short. I also didn't realize there was a Masters of the Universe game from two thousand three for Xbox and GameCube. I don't know why they had to put interactive above the screenshots or below the title. (laughs) (laughs) There's a preview of Metal Gear Solid Twin Stakes. Is this a good one, Sam? I never played this version of it. Uh, Hold on. So this is the Twin Snakes is they remade. They remade Metal Gear Solid, but only only a couple years after it came out. Yeah. Well, wasn't solid like 98. So it's been well, like five it, years. It's it's I think Silicon Knights worked on this. Yeah, that is exactly right. And that's why there's an interview yeah. with Dennis Dyack. And yeah, listen yeah, to this. This is how the interview starts. Dennis Dyack says, I'm sorry we don't have much time. Nintendo Power says, No problem, we'll keep IGN waiting. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Why that's is amazing. so good? Why is that in print? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud right now. That's so amazing. Um, yeah, so uh, I did play this. Uh, this is this is the only real version of Metal Gear Solid that I played. It's like as mm. a little bit confusing. Uh, the whole game's confusing, right? But uh, w- w- it has Yoshi in it, which is what? really strange. A little because it because little. it was a GameCube exclusive. Yeah, it had a little toy of Yoshi on somebody's computer. Which That's I think cool. there was probably other Nintendo references. I also oh, think that Hobbit game. Yeah. Am, am I remembering correctly that Twin Snakes, I, I think, like, it came out five years before. They're like, you're right. And they re-recorded all the dialogue. I think they redid it all. Yeah. Like, all new voice acting. Yeah, it's a full-on remake. And so, like, that's... And so, whether it's better or not, it's kind of like a toss-up. Like, it's sort of like, do you prefer the original? They, like, retranslated the game. Well, and, like, Psycho Mantis has different tricks. Yeah. And then, um, mm. it, what I remember, I don't think this is in the PlayStation version. Again, I, I've only played a little bit of the PlayStation version, but it has a first-person mode. So you yeah. can, like, switch into first-person. Does the PlayStation version have that? No, that's new in Twin Snakes. Okay. Yeah. I, I really, I, yeah, I really, I have a soft spot for this game, by the way, this Hobbit game. Yeah, well, so wow. this is good. This oh, Hobbit, so the... In, no, in the I'm midst of curious. in the midst of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I guess it had concluded at this at this time. So, there was another Hobbit game from Sierra that's just based on the books. So they don't didn't have the movie license; they only had right. the book license. Is the thing about right. it? No, like no, the game's not very good. But like it's a it's a very standard, you know, third person, you know, Mario sixty four clone platformer. Like you collect a bunch wow. of junk. Like okay. I, I I really liked it, but it's not it's not good. Hold, hold on. Here are the features: saving, gems, <laughs> coins, mushrooms, picking locks. Yeah, that's a I mean, typical yeah. day for a hobbit. Yeah, saving. 
Um, they're having a giveaway for beautiful Joe. Ride the hippest super vehicle around a beautiful Vespa worthy of Joe himself. I forgot how just immensely dorky beautiful Joe looks like without his gear on. Without his gear on? I do like that. That scooter's great, though. I hope somebody actually won this. It's a red scooter with the beautiful Joe logo on it. I hope somebody got that. Um, And then they have a whole feature section on RPGs. They call it Epic Center. For your epic news for epic games, um, they've, they've got Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga in there. Ad sure. for Prince of Persia, and then this is interesting. There's an <clears throat> ad for Blackthorn coming to Game Boy Advance, the Super Nintendo game from Blizzard. Blackthorn, which is an awesome game. I just I didn't realize they brought it to GBA and they took out a whole full page ad for it. Well, and it's weird to see them invoking Diablo. Like it's nothing like Diablo. I know. Yeah, it's not before Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with Diablo. That's it's also great. interesting. I'm pretty sure in 2003, the Game Boy Advance SP was out. Mm, so I don't yeah. know why in this ad they have the original Game Boy model in here. Um, it's just easier to, I don't know. Is part of this project where I was digging through our, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Game Boy games this week. Um, the, the GBA games, there are so many more Super Nintendo ports than I realized. It, it just really? so much Super Nintendo stuff just mm-hmm. came out, and Genesis just came straight to the GBA like this. Interesting. Um, there's an ad for a Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon game, which I didn't realize was a thing. Oh, weird! Again, everything this, had a game, right? It's also probably five years after that movie came out. Yeah. Whoa! Is it? Jeez. I said it was late '90s. Whole preview on the GBA version of Banjo Kazooie: Grunty's Revenge. I never played the portable version. So I, I don't either. know if that came that. out. I don't know. You don't think? I, I think it actually came out. Yeah, I mean, Rare Rare made GBA games after they were bought by Microsoft. Yeah. Like a couple of, or, or at least DS, right? Because there was Viva Pinata. I mean, this was after they were bought by, by Microsoft in yeah. two thousand three. They were already yeah. gone. Yeah, after Star Fox Adventures, they were out. And that was not only did it game. come out, but IGN gave it an eight out of ten. Eight. I know oh. who would have given that score. Yeah. Um, Craig Harris. Yep. Uh, well, I assume. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, there's a whole section on e-reader, like Justin was saying, uh, and then they they explain like what it does in Super Mario Advance Four. And there's one of the cards is a demo card that when you swipe it, you can watch the pros at Nintendo conquer the most hair-raising stages and complete the most sought-after secrets. So cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm pulling up eBay right now. I don't think I can okay. handle this anymore. <laughs> I really want one. <laughs> The Game & Watch e-reader with the cards you could you could play all your favorite Game & Watch games like Ball, Chef, mm. Egg, <laughs> Judge, How many times do they have to roll these out? <laughs> Tropical Fish. Pretty good. Uh, and then a preview of Onimusha Tactics. Here's your Kmart ad, and it's a weird... It's a weird ad. It's, a, it's for... Well, okay. There's an image of people having like a rooftop barbecue, and Link is there. Wind Waker version of Link. And they're all just chatting and they're playing some Zelda game on a CRT television on their rooftop. <laughs> and it says, you're linked to adventure, purchase a Nintendo GameCube and you'll get the Legend of Zelda collector's edition disc featuring the Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and the Wind Waker demo. Look, clearly everybody's having a good time talking to each other and Link is talking to nobody. <laughs> they're all like, oh, like they're all trying to like yeah. avert their eyes. Don't make eye contact with them. But do you remember this collector's disc? Did it yeah. have all of those original games on it and then and then a demo of Wind Waker? 
Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, I, I, yeah, there's I two, missed that one. There's, That's pretty there's cool. There's two collector's discs. Just mm -hmm. one of them had the, uh, the all these games on it. And then the other one has the Master Quest for uh, Ocarina of Time on it. Yep, they're, and that's, they're that's fantastic collections. Wow. And now that's incredibly valuable, by the way. Wow, yeah, they're amazing. In their reviews, they review Kirby Air Ride. They liked that one a lot. Um, Star Wars Rogue Squadron Three Rebel Strike. I never played that one. I liked it a lot. It's great. It's just they had a, a too many of the um, on foot levels, mm, um, but yeah. they looked really good at the time. And like, still the space levels look like that's on gamecube when you look at that yeah. game it's like it's incredible <clears throat> yeah the the what was the it was rogue leader was the second one who knows it's all rogue <clears throat> something rouge that's, something or other yeah, that's the one i played uh they loved fire emblem you've had almost all five stars uh oh and here's an ad to buy an ocarina <laughs> an actual ocarina from a company songbird ocarinas in santa barbara says it's easy to play. They have a few different models. The sweet potato model is just one octave, and it was $40. Look, it's got Honky Link on a dragon. <laughs> no, I wanted to point out, that's clearly a stoned teenager. Yep. 100 riding a dragon. He's, ha he's hallucinating. He's riding a dragon while he plays his ocarina, and he's high out of his mind. 100%. <laughs> Typical Santa Barbara. It's got it's to ride that dragon, man. Uh, oh, see, they reviewed they reviewed uh, Bungie Kazooie Grunty's Revenge as well. I don't know if that comes out to an eight point five. All those stars, <laughs> I like this stars. <laughs> so this is like they're they're like reviewers key. This is so crazy. When this is how they tried to let you know whether your taste would line up with their reviewers. Oh, they that's listed, cool. They've got ten different game genres represented by a different symbol. And each reviewer listed the symbols in order of preference. In, in like, so like the first symbol is like their favorite genre and the last symbol would be the least favorite, but they're so small and like who's going through like trying, okay, so Alan, let's see, he really likes RPGs and then sports games and he doesn't like, what is it, fighting games? You have to do that for each one? I think that's we clever could, though. Oh my gosh. We could have done it with words, I think. I think so. For each person, just say there are three different genres that they liked. Yeah, their top three. Yeah. But I do think we should do this, uh, Tina. Let's have every reviewer at IGN do this <laughs> exercise. <laughs> I love it. And that's it. Next issue, they've got strategies for uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. Um, more on Superstar Saga. 1080 Avalanche, Beyond Good and Evil, Sonic Heroes, Freedom Fighters. And that is the December 2003 issue of Nintendo Power. I bought an e-reader, by the way. Right, oh, really? Already? Yeah. But but no cards yet. So <laughs> how are you even going to source the card? Oh, I bet you can just print them. Well, yeah, I don't know if they can be pirated. The, the cards are actually more expensive than the e-reader, so um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I've been uh, hoisted on my own petard on this one. Mm. <laughs> you don't well, think you can? I bet you can figure this out somehow. Yeah, when it, I'll, I'll look into it when I'm not uh, on a show. Yeah. I do. I really do think it's like a QR code thing. I don't think there's metal inside the cards or anything. I think it's magnetic. I think it's a magnetic strip you swipe. I mean, you're the one that just messed with one. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking. Like, I think I saw little dots of white and black like along the edge. But mm. yeah, maybe there's like a pr proto NFT reader or whatever. In it. NFT. No, what are they I, called? Everything. But not, dude, not, it's, not bunchable tokens. What is it called in? Um, yeah, the, uh, the amiibo. The amiibo. Um, mm. Yeah, that's what I was just going to I was going to make it's, that same connection is it's like proto amiibo tech near field communication, maybe NFC. Yeah, yes. NFC. Yeah, near field yeah. communication. Good for you. Well, oh, when, it, boy. when it arrives, Justin, you can do some show and tell. 
Yeah, but I don't have the cards. I just have the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'll figure it out. And that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Kevin Osborne in Detroit, Michigan. Let the questioning begin. Gave us so many last week, Damon. Why do we have to do it again? <laughs> yeah. I, Technically, that not, was like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did this game come out uh, in honor before December 2013? 2003, I mean, from the magazine. The magazine. The era of the magazine or earlier. <laughs> I really, I really screwed that up. Well, I apologize. We, we usually do like, could this have been in the magazine? Is that what you're well, going for? Well, but then that's why I fumbled it because it's a Nintendo-only magazine. Right. I just, I just want to move on. But there's ads. Could have been. Yeah, I was going to say, it could have been an advertisement. Including uh, in the advertisements. There you go. Is there a world in which this game could have appeared? <laughs> Why does this I, take typing? Maybe it came out like right around. How, how do you want to phrase your question? Oh my god! I, I guess did, you could like, say uh, you could say like, would it? Did it come did, out in the timeline of that magazine? Yeah, did it come out on or before December two thousand three? No. Okay. Well, glad <laughs> glad we got that out of the way. Uh, is it a console exclusive? Yes. Yes. Mm. Oh. Makes um, is it Nintendo? Just, I'm just verifying this. Um, in the okay, you, just a quick, just pick the game like min magazine read. We can in tell. the in the U.S. It was a console exclusive. Oh. Okay. What? <clears throat> Did what does that come, mean? What, what's our What's our uh, December holiday question? Does it have a snow level? Oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. Does this game I have mean, snow in it? Mm, would that be good? I can't answer that question. Okay, all right, all right. So not prominently so. Um, we, we should. We needed to know the console. It's a console exclusive. Only oh, yeah. in the U.S. Oh yeah. yeah. So is it a Nintendo? So some Nintendo console exclusive. Y- yes. Okay. So maybe. Maybe it could have appeared in that issue as a preview. Yeah, yeah. right. But, not, but then I rephrased it to say, "Did the game come yeah. out on or before then?" Yeah, that's okay. We got there. Does this come out on a portable system? Yes. Did mm-hmm. it come out on the GBA? No, that's five. I was going to ask if the system had two screens. Yeah, yeah. So but, okay. it's the same amount of questioning. <laughs> <laughs> but we know. Do we need to ask if it was DS or we know it's DS? We know it's DS. Or 3DS. Why oh, yeah, just that, those that's, two? That, that's true. Because it's or, a Nintendo or Switch, exclusive right? and it's yeah. a portable. Oh. And then even like Wii U could have been considered portable. Um, uh, is that picture of the guy playing it on his airplane? <laughs> yeah. You, you mean Steven Totillo? <laughs> was it Totillo did that? Yeah, at the airport, he had like the console part shoved in his book bag, oh, and then yeah. the the like screen um, controller part in his lap with That's it charging. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, That's funny. Did this? Uh, who, is this a DS game? Yes. Okay. There you go. Is it part of a series? Yes. Oh god, Does it's it gonna be something st- really obvious. Does <laughs> it have stylus not- gameplay? What? Does it have, Does it have stylus, stylus gameplay? gameplay? Um, well, this will be a freebie. I'm just going to assume so. 
but I'm not going to count that question. I, <laughs> Sounds I like a real Damey game. 100% so. <laughs> I would assume so. You should assume mm-hmm. it does. I mean, they kind of all did, right? Yeah. At least some gimmicky feature, yeah. And it, it was part of the series for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this a remake? No. See, so, but we know it's not, well, we don't know for sure. It's unlikely to have been made by Nintendo since it's not a platform exclusive overseas, only in the US. What does that mean? How does a DS game come out on some other system? I mean, I so so I called it, I framed the question console exclusive. So that could mean like the mm-hmm. DS only, like it could have re-released. Mm-hmm. Like it could be a mobile or a PC game also or something like that. Or like it could even be on Switch for all we know. Mm-hmm. So technically with the way that I phrased the question, that could be accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we know if it's, we don't know if it's, uh, you, should we confirm that it's published by Nintendo or developed by Nintendo? Because it could be on another Nintendo system or something like that. So that's kind of the question. Like Justin's saying, he assumes yeah. it wasn't if if we didn't get the clarity on the mm-hmm. exclusivity bit. Uh, Should we just ask it? What are we sure. at, Damon? Seven? Eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Was this game too. made by Nintendo? No. Um, hmm. Should we go to genre? Yeah. yeah. What are some popular series? Puzzles. Yeah. Oh, uh, um, and then developer like Japan or um, that's a good one. Or like, is this developer still around? Any of that might help. I'm fine. Actually, I'm fine. We go to, I think we should go with genre. Actually, I think that would help as much for this one. Is it a puzzle game? Yes, that's 10. Nice. Wow. I, I that knew it. Swish. I knew it. So it's Medios. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I was think- picturing. That's the exact game I had in my head. Or, um, or like, brain training. Yeah, I was thinking brain age of some kind. I don't know when that started coming out. Damon, is this one of those brain games? No. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. I don't know how to narrow it down to Medios. I don't, I don't think it's Medios because he would know that that's, like, exclusively stylus-based, right? Probably. Or there was a Tetris DS that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't have appeared on mm. any other platform. Yeah. Puzzle game. DS puzzle game. But what kind uh, of puzzle? Is this, like a, is this like a slide and blocks around? Is this like a block? Like you're manipulating blocks puzzle game? Is that, I think that I kind of puzzle game? Yeah. Like a matching kind of a puzzle game? Yeah, like a matching yeah. kind of puzzle game. Yes. They call them, uh, they call them Zookeeper clones. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Zookeeper. Well, yeah, it's I definitely it's a matchy deeper. puzzle game. I think that's I right. We were just talking about it. Yeah. What was it called? Was it just called Zookeeper? Or I think it was called Zookeeper DX. Is this um, game? Um, are, you, are you matching animals in this game? Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. but I, I don't, I don't know we the don't exact know the official name. name. It's, I think it's. I think, I think it's, it's a Zookeeper. It's either just Zookeeper or it's Zookeeper DX. DX. I know. Maybe it's not. I don't know. That's in my brain for some reason, but I don't know if that's right. Let's is it go with the, Zookeeper. Yeah. Is it Zookeeper? 
Yes, it is. Nice. <laughs> 14 is, questions. Wow. Is it just called Zookeeper? Look at this. It's just Zookeeper, yeah. Okay. Oh, this looks cool. It looks yeah. like the... It's, Look it's at very it. similar. And the, yeah, yeah, we have yeah. we have this old footage on IGN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. amazing. It, it only had um uh like maybe not only only but like it was mainly just the arcade mode, which is like mm-hmm. a total afterthought in the iPhone one we're all hooked on. Oh yeah. really? It's in that's there. right. You, yeah, you can if, like I think you can buy you, the little <laughs> arcade and put it in your zoo and then mm-hmm. play like yeah, this like that. timed version. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It looks like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a level mode, but I remember the arcade mode being like the business in um, in the DS one. Hmm. So it was also brought to Game Boy Advance in Japan and Europe. It was brought to oh. PlayStation Two in Japan and Europe. Whoa! Oh. Yeah, that's pretty I cool see. that it was on PS2. And then also came to 3DS in Japan. So we only got that DS version here in North America. This game's gonna be so valuable now that we talk about it in Game Scoop a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely job. Thank you for the suggestion. Let me find your very tricky. That was very tricky. Kevin Osborne Kevin in Detroit, Osborne. Michigan. I thought that was very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, if you have your own suggestions, make sure to email them to me at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Ryan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. There are only well, I think well one one more episode until the Damie Awards. Now I don't know how we Ooh. found ourselves at this Ooh. time of year already, but it's here. Wow. It's upon us. That means I have a Wait. lot of work to do. Oh <laughs> gosh. Okay. Same with us, apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. backlog. Yeah. Of for all sure. the Damie games. Not a backlog. <laughs> I leave you this week with a brand new song from myself. Somehow I found the time to write and record a new song with two kids in the house. It's called 1995, and although I'm releasing it during the holidays, it isn't a Christmas song and isn't directly related to my song 1985. This one describes some happy memories I have from summer 1995. It's available now on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you like to listen to your tunes. As always, thank you so much to listening to the stuff I make. My name is Damon, this is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.